Hey there, welcome to the Speakeasy Library. How you making, good? I'm Dan, and this is my podcast. My weekly excuse to have a drink, or five, and shoot the breeze with a guest. I'll talk to them mostly about their past and current projects, future plans, and the ideas that inform their personal philosophy and worldview. I know I'll fall short of covering these topics in sufficient depth, as anyone who knows me could tell you, digressions are coming, digressions are coming, but I'll try to get a little better each time, and you can help me with this by sending your feedback to speakeasylibrary at gmail.com. Now to this week's episode. This week, I talked to my friend, independent wrestler James Joshio, or as he's known in the ring, Danger Jameson. We talk about how he became a fan of wrestling, the inspiration for his character, whom, in my opinion, is excellent, and more. Follow James on Twitter and Instagram at Danger Jameson, Jameson spelled J-A-M-E-S-O-N. Buy his merch on whatamaneuver.net slash collections slash Danger Jameson. Also, if you just search Danger Jameson by itself, I believe it will come up as a, maybe the third result in Google. The audio quality for this episode is lacking a bit. We recorded remotely, and that introduced some problems. There's latency, which leads to crosstalk, and that's to be expected. But this was magnified because uh, James's video wasn't working, so we couldn't rely on video visual cues, and I accidentally had an echo cancellation feature enabled that attenuates one of the signals when both parties are speaking at the same time. So the quality is a little rough at times, and but it should be better in the future, though. One more thing. I'm releasing this episode a little late. The last couple have been a bit late. That's mostly due to the fact that I've been um, fiddling with different kinds of post-production and settings and whatnot. I think I have it dialed in now, so it shouldn't be too, too hard for me to get the episodes out on time. Follow the show on Twitter at Dan underscore S-E-L pod on Instagram at Speakeasy Library. If you want to give uh, send some feedback, start a conversation, send me an email at speakeasylibrary at gmail.com. Now to this week's episode with my friend James Joshio. So this week's guest is my friend James Joshio, and he is an independent wrestler, among other things. That's what we'll be talking to him mostly about today, and then see where the conversation goes from there. James, welcome to the Speakeasy Library. How you making? Good? I'm uh, I'm doing just fine, yeah. I'm, I'm doing pretty good today. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just... Good to hear. Yeah, just chilling, I guess. <laughs> All right, so um, you've been doing in, uh, wrestling for a while now, and I want to start by talking about yeah. how you got into um, just wrestling as a fan. So when did you first come across it and, you know, what was going on at the time? Um, okay. Well, so actually, side note, uh, in October, it'll be 10 years since I started training. So it's been, yeah, it's been quite a while, but I mean, we'll get into that later. Um, but I guess that's an anniversary coming up. I should maybe try to stop being a sack of shit for and, <laughs> and get good at this for once. <laughs> but, uh. No, so um, so actually, it started like so. My dad and my older brothers watched it, and this was 
the eighties. Okay. So I was a baby. So in the eighties, um, you know, it was Hulk Hogan. Uh, so I, I have a distinct memory and this may tie into a lot of things may, uh, make more sense about me. But, um, as the story goes, I, um, I got out of my bed or my crib or whatever. I mean, I was pretty young, so who knows? Um, and I got out of my room and I fell down the steps and my mom put an ice pack on my head and sat me on the couch next to my dad and brothers. And they were watching wrestling and I was fascinated by it. Um, and I mean, I didn't know what I was looking at, obviously, but then like, you know, throughout the years, it's kind of, it's kind of was a thing that was like always in the, like the background of my life. Like, I would randomly get like wrestling action figure or something for Christmas, even though I didn't, you know, before I was ever really talking about it or, um, you know, or there were video games that, you know, my brothers would play. Um, but it was always kind of like a background thing. Um, and then in the, uh, early two thousands, whenever I was in middle school, actually. So the late nineties when I was in middle school, it was huge at the time because there was what was known as the attitude era in the then WWF, which was the height of stone cold, Steve Austin, the rock degeneration X. Um, and you know, those are the most familiar examples. Um, and like it was going on at school and I got curious and I turned it on one night and I didn't know which program was on. I didn't know, anything about it so um i ended up i was watching an episode of uh wcw and there was a uh i I forget exactly what the story was but there was so if you remember there was the the rap group the um the no limit soldiers uh that was you know that was like a thing in the in the early 2000s that i'm not super familiar with but they were did a, a wrestling storyline and they were on the show and i just i thought it was the dumbest thing i didn't know that it didn't seem like wrestling so i turned it off and probably a few weeks went by before i i turned it on again and this time the first thing i saw was um a giant man in a mask wearing red and black uh like exiting the ring and catching himself on fire and not caring um, because his friend slash tag team partner had gotten beat up by some people and thrown out on the stage. Uh, And I was like, that guy's on fire. This is amazing. What, what am I in for now? (laughs) Um, And that guy, um, you know, anybody knows that's, that's Kane uh, who is the undertaker's brother. Um, and you know a legend in his own right and so back then i was like that i was i was hooked it was actually kind of funny that like a weird non-wrestling thing put me off the first time i tried to watch it and then a non-wrestling moment is what intrigued me about it um but then you know i started watching it every week and um and, you know, of course, I was in school. I wasn't always allowed to stay up to watch all the, you know, the later shows. But 
um, you know, every minute I could. And then even like they would do Saturday morning recaps on, uh, on what happened the week before. So that's kind of how I like stayed in loop, but I, I knew, like, I still knew very little. Um, so for years, I really only knew what like the WWF was and what, you know, which is now the WWE, um, you know, for like the solid, like first two, three years, that was my main familiarity. Um, and it was just, you know, it was my, my thing where, I mean, you know how life is when you're a kid and you're, everything is a lot more dramatic than it needs to be. But you know, when you're, you know, when your parents are coming down on you, school's coming down on you, you know, and you, and you just need a break from life. Like that was, you know, that was my break from life. And it, you know, I became enamored and, um, okay. You know, you that, know, so like just, that's some people, they really get into music or sports. So you got into uh, wrestling before you go much further. Maybe we could, you could talk a little bit about, I'm curious about a couple things. Okay. So one, you said that when you first started watching, you noticed a, a shtick that was kind of a non wrestling shtick and it turned you off over the years. When, when you got started to get into it, did you, have you come to appreciate some of the non wrestling shtick or are you still a sort of a purist? Oh, um, wow. So that's about to be a little more complicated. Cause the thing is like, I mean, as we get a little deeper into it, like I, once I knew more about it and knew like about the non-wrestling aspect, like, I mean, I, that's the aspect that I actually, um, that's the realm that I kind of exist in a little bit more. I mean, I'm not known as, you know, a good wrestler. I, I actually, I mean, I'm better than I give myself credit for. I just a little, I guess I, I stick to funny stuff actually. I mean, because this is, that's kind of also one of the things that I fell in love with was like the moment, cause I didn't, I didn't know how, you know, how promos worked. I didn't know how like backstage segments worked. I didn't know about all the other stuff outside of the ring because my exposure was limited, you know, growing up. So then like that, that stuff, especially, you know, learning how, it, how it's done and how, um, and how many moments were um, like were made possible because of guys um, having to come up with something on the spot or react to the crowd. And then like, there are these uh, these historic moments that, you know, anybody who's a major wrestling fan will, will point to um, that. It's kind of like that, that the big moments of things is like the most memorable stuff, you know, like, and that's in, in like the, so a common way, an easy way to explain it is like, you know, there are moments when somebody says, you know, a cool line in a promo, like the rock or Chris Jericho or stone cold, you know, were very well known for talking on the microphone. Um, or, um, or like the, the great title victories, like, um, like one of my favorite all time, is when Eddie Guerrero won his title against Brock Lesnar 
and I was it was it was more about the moment. And then they did like a special like celebration on the next episode, and it was, you know, it was like a, a genuine like heartfelt moment. And that was cool. So it was like a lot of the times like, I mean, I can appreciate the like the technical and the and the like, you know, the work rate as they call it wrestling aspect, um, but like too often people focus too much on that and not enough on like the moments and sure some of it can be a little campy, but I mean, you can't really hate on wrestling's like the non wrestling moments, the, you know, the more soap as opera aspects that people like to refer to it as, or, or the goofy gimmicky comedy stuff, which is what I do when, I mean, that's what, there are so many other things in society that like are, are well known and appreciated for that, you know, like the three stooges or, or, you know, pick any comedy act or any, you know, like the Batman from the sixties, you know, like that stuff is, um, yeah. Wrestling does have a lot of aspects, you know, you got the theater and the athleticism and the, and it's like, it's like a, it's like a comic book and a concert and it's like all these things come to life. Yeah, so actually, I think we should hit on some of that stuff um, later. But before we get there, yeah, um, yeah, you maybe you could talk about. So you're in middle school, maybe a little bit later. You are watching, um, maybe following one of the programs, um, whatever yeah. WWE or WCW. You could explain about that in your answer exactly what program it was and some of the wrestlers you followed. But so what? were you watching uh who were some of them what are some of the specifics of what you saw and what you liked and then how did that lead to the point where you thought wrestling was something you wanted to give it give a try um okay well so actually i like to i mean i've said this to a few people that like when i started watching wrestling. I started watching it like the the person I was most curious about was the rock because that's, I mean, everybody was walking around school. They were either doing the, uh, the D generation X chop crotch chops, or they were, or they were quoting whatever insanely hilarious thing that the rock said, you know, the night before. And so that's kind of why I started watching. So, I mean, the rock is a huge one, but that's, you know, that's an easy answer, I guess. Um, but then I, my favorite, my first favorite wrestler was um, a guy named Chris Jericho, um, who, when I started watching, he was, he had just recently come to the then WWF and he was, um, and he was portraying a heel character and he was, um, um, you, um, I just realized, you know, I've had an issue okay. with this in the past with interviews where I forget to ask uh, people to define things for listeners oh, who don't yeah. know. So one thing you mentioned was promo. That was a little while ago. Could you define that and then oh. talk about a he- of what a heel is? Oh, sure. Uh, promo is like a uh, backstage interview or, um, you know, or pre-recorded statement from a wrestler about, you know, an upcoming match or, or pay-per-view or anything like that. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's where character work, one of the places where character work comes across to help further establish beyond what happens in the ring. Um, and then a heel is the wrestling term for a bad guy. Now I don't want to, I mean, I may 
say like some of the wrestling terms and not even think to explain them. Um, so stop okay. me if you don't understand, but, um, I also, I, I prefer not to like to limit the, the wrestling talk just because like, or like the, the backstage language, I guess, because uh-huh. I mean, a lot of people like to do it just to, you know, it's kind of like a, a way to think you're involved when you're really not just by throwing the words around. And I don't want to sound like an expert. Be a poser. So, or exactly. You yeah. actually God, do it damn. though. So, yeah. Well, whatever. I think I you weren't the right fucking poser. Terms. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. But, um, so, uh, where was I? So, Chris Jericho was a heel, and I, I hated him because he was, at the time, he was in a feud with a woman, and he was being a jerk to her. And it was, in, in my simplistic view of the world at the time, it was, you know, you just, you're not supposed to be mean to women. So, it's, it's a, and that was actually, like, thinking back, it's, that's the, a lot of times in wrestling, like, the, the very basic human nature uh, emotions, that's, that's what they play on. And so like, uh, you know, the things that make me hate, made me hate guys when I was watching them on TV, you know, once I started, you know, once I got a little older and then, you know, understood a little bit more about how the business worked, then it's, you become a fan of that person because of how good they were at their job, actually, you know, cause if it's their job to get you to hate them and cheer for the good guy, you know, um, and it, and it creates that, that visceral, you know, internal emotional reaction. Um, and like, but then he's just like, he kind of had like a cool rock star thing to him. And his entrance music was, you know, my favorite for the longest time. It just like, because I, you know, sidebar, I've, I've always been stuck in like the seventies and eighties when it comes to rock music. So like, he kind of like, he had that, like, you know, like the front man of a, of a band kind of vibe, uh, which is funny because then he, went on to be a front man of his own band. Um, so, you know, that's pretty cool. But yeah, so, I mean, he was my first favorite wrestler, but at that time, one of the things about it was that there was something to be a fan of throughout the entire show. And so I would have to say like my first favorite wrestler was Chris Jericho. Uh, but then Mick Foley slash mankind cactus Jack dude, love, you know, man of many faces. He, uh, he's close to the top of my list. And then Eddie Guerrero, uh, is another absolute favorite of mine who, um, he unfortunately passed away, uh, a few years after I started watching wrestling. And, and, um, I mean, it's, he's just one of my absolute favorites and somebody, he's the one person I've, I've, um, I've shied away from trying to emulate because I don't think I could do justice to anything that he's ever done. He's just probably like, yeah, honestly, I, it's even hard to watch his, his matches or anything back because like, he's one of the ones like it, it really like, you know, like he's probably the first famous person that made me realize like how much of an effect, like, you know, losing a famous person can have on, on you. And like, why I don't begrudge people when, you know, they get upset when a favorite artist or actor dies, like it, you know, um, because I know how that feels like that, like that emotional investment, Mm -hmm. um, that, 
whether you know whether it's you know a movie character or a wrestler or or a musician you know when you're a fan of something uh when it means something to you and you know you maybe you can't convey best what it means to you to anybody else or get them to understand but you know what it means to you so uh so you're saying yeah. his and, death hit you really hard what um what yeah. do you like about him so much um i'll just say like, i'm not familiar with wrestling that much but when you say his name i think yeah. I picture him and he's like he looks like a very athletic type so is he like ac- just a, almost a traditional wrestler in the fact that he's like high flying acrobatic big and strong i mean i guess yeah but he kind of in in wrestling terms like especially at that time he was comparatively small oh. um but like he he it was more like it was also his his personal story that's that's one of the things is like uh around the time when i started watching like if i had started watching any earlier like i mean the business is is very i mean still in a lot of ways there are certain things that are protected about it like you don't know about guys personal lives i mean that's it's especially with everybody having social media like that's that's pretty much gone but like around that time when i became a fan you know you don't you didn't know too much about at least i didn't i mean i mean maybe other people had the internet i didn't i i probably had the internet a few years after everybody else did but you know and i never really sat on like message boards and talked behind the scenes stuff but his his personal story of like you know he had a history of of drug problems and he got fired from the WWF not long after and then he was able to like work his way back and and like and from being somebody who was kind of like almost you know cast off and then be able to work their way back and and then be able to reach the height because he was you know, he became a champion and he was, you know, definitely not the biggest guy there at the time. And they had him win a match against the biggest guy at the time. And that was like a really great moment. And so it has like, that's like I was talking about before with moments, like it has a, um, you know, a fairy tale, like, you know, storybook, ending kind of thing going as far as that's concerned and it, like some real life got woven into it um because they you know they mentioned his you know his fall and comeback you know and they they used it um so that like it was it was like personally inspiring you know um so that's kind of where like that's where he sits with me why he's one of my favorites um and he was also like he was somebody who was great at the out of ring character work, but he was also, I mean, he was incredibly skilled in the ring, but like he, he leaned into his character and his backstage stuff, his interviews, like all that stuff was, was just so fun. You know, it was hard to, you know, it was hard not to, you know, not to fall in love with him. Um, and then I have to say, I mean, who else have I mentioned? Well, from that time, I mean, of course, you know, we have to say The Undertaker. I remember seeing The Undertaker on TV when I was a little kid and being terrified. Uh, and then 
you know, being in my mid thirties and seeing him on TV and still being terrified, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, man, and that, that's, I mean, I guess from that time frame, like those were, those were my guys. Um, so very, like very still, still like pretty casual, you know, I'm not gonna, like, I didn't mention any deep cut wrestlers, but, you know, there was, there was very few people that I wasn't a fan of. Um, and in all honesty, like, you know, I, you know me well enough that in my nature, it's in my nature that if I don't, if I'm not a fan of something, I'm not going to sit and bad mouth it, but I'm also, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to talk about it, you know, but, uh, yeah, but like there was very, there's very little that I'm not a fan of. Um, some things just took more time to appreciate. Um, and in all honesty, like that's one of the, like one of the coolest things about it is sticking with it and like having that being like so far removed from that time, uh, finding new things to appreciate about guys when you go back and watch stuff. Um, and so they, one of the, one of the things I learned early on when I started wrestling was that like quite a few guys, they start to lose their love for it. Uh, like they can't just watch it. Like I've sat in the rooms with people and watched it and they're just picking apart everything. And that's incredibly frustrating me because I'm trying to enjoy it, especially, you know, especially when there's, you know, moments happening and, and that's like, that's as, as a human being, like I live, for moments that's what storytelling whatever form it takes wrestling or or movies like like moments are i mean you need to know the the technical stuff to be able to work your way to the moments um but like that's that's my favorite stuff is the is the huge moments because that's what's going to stick with people you know they're not going to remember um every single little move you know how to do um but the moment when the match turns around in your favor or you got this close and you lost or, you know, or you win a championship or, you know, uh, like stuff like that. That's like, that's the best part of it, you know, to me at least. So I always try to watch it with, from a fan's perspective, but knowing enough about the way it works inside that I can, also appreciate you know because there are things to look for like little things that you know other people aren't going to notice but it's you know so it's i look at it from a lens of trying to gain more appreciation as opposed to you know picking it apart and oh that guy could have done that better you know like that's that's no that takes the fun out of it for me yeah so um i want to say something about the undertaker real quick you brought him up so yeah. as me, as an aspiring sophisticate, I sometimes I look at wrestling and it's easy to see how the the drama is so broad. And what I liked about The Undertaker is that he had a more subtle approach. You know, like he seemed like you, I think, spoke to this a little bit in that he, he was a little more scary in a sense, broader, more 
in more than just wrestling. He looks like you'd be scared of him if you saw him walking down the street. He could be scary in a horror film. Um, he could be scary in a lot of contexts, and it felt like it's just a little bit more um, sophisticated to to uh, he had a little bit more to appreciate. But with that said, I wanted to say something that occurred to me in the defense of the broadness of wrestling is that because it's done in these huge arenas and there's such a great distance yeah. between the fans and the wrestlers, they have to be broad, right? It's like, you could, well, yeah, you have, it's yeah. like, you know, certain kind of theater where you have to be very exaggerated so that you can play to the yes. back row. Yes, absolutely. That's, um, so it's, it's actually, it's one of the, I mean, it's one of the first things like I noticed about it. Cause I also, well, so I've also had an interest in, in acting and other things. I even like, I took a couple classes a few years ago and I mean, might dabble in it again, but like, it's like, I, at least for me, I never heard anybody compare it to, you know, to theater or anything or, um, but it, it's the thing about it. I think that's so fascinating is that it combines like all these things. It's, you know, it's athletic, but it's got, you know, like people are like larger than life. They're like superheroes. So it's like a comic book come to life. You know, they got the music and the lights. So it's like a concert experience and being in the arena for some of those is like, like the coolest thing in the world. I've only got to go to a few shows, but like, like you haven't lived until you've heard the rocks music start in, you know, in an arena like it's one of the coolest things in the world you know and then and all the lights and stuff so it's like a concert too but then it's also it is like theater in the round like when we're when we're learning um you know depending on who you're being taught by like i was lucky enough to have a, uh, one of my trainers like looked at it that way and looked at it from like an aspect of you know of theater of acting of like you know, if you know you're filming for TV, like there's a, a different way to wrestle because um, if you're doing it for TV, like you want to, you know, you want your face on the camera, you want that, like the camera, especially now with, you know, with HD cameras, like they can pick up on every little facial expression. So you don't like if you watch it on TV, you don't have to be as subtle in that regard as you used to be. Um, or you don't have to be as exaggerated. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, but like if you're doing it, you know, at, you know, somewhere local, or if you're doing, uh, a non-televised show, like everything's going to be bigger. That's why, like when you see somebody go for a punch, like they don't go for like a regular quick punch or whatever, like you might in a fight. I mean, like, look at me, I've never been in a fight, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know you have to reach the people in the back row. Just like if you're going to watch a play or a musical, they're louder and more exaggerated because they have to reach the people in the back row. You know they they're paying audience as well. Um, so in wrestling, like I've the few times that I have gotten to go see WWF live, like most of them I've been in like the very last seat in the very top row of the arena and you know and you still can feel and see everything um you know i mean it does help that they have the giant screens now but like even without that like you know you could see what's going on i mean even even if 
from that point, the guys in the ring look like, you know, they look like ants from down there. So you've got to, you've got to like get that big swing before the punch or, you know, that's also where, um, that's also where, sorry, I just got a message. No, that's right. Um, like that's also where a lot of the character work comes in and where, like why, like, you know, the over the top aspect of it is, mm-hmm. um, but like the, like if you want to go back to the undertaker, I mean, he, like the thing about him is that he, like he lived that character and like he very, he very rarely broke, like he very rarely did outside interviews. I mean, there's a few, if you look them up, but he stuck like even now up until like a year or so ago when he had his final match, um, you know, he stuck, he stuck to it and that helped with the believability. Um, you know, especially back at the beginning of his career, like, you know, a, a commitment to the character. Um, yeah. If he were too open which with is, the media, then um, it would take some of the edge off of his character. People would be like, Oh, he's not so big and bad. Whereas the fact that nobody knew what he sounded like, or you barely ever saw his face like that really, probably amplified all of the feature, the most prominent features of his character. Well, yeah. Yeah. And it's like a, you know, a mystique thing and it's very like, you know, it's well orchestrated. Um, And again, like just the commitment of it, because like, I mean, I'm, I feel like he's said it. I've heard him say it in an interview or whatever, but like when he was given the character to be the undertaker, like he wasn't exactly sure about it and he didn't think he was going to last, let alone the 30 years. He like, he, and nobody has a 30 year career in, in one major wrestling company, but you know, um, like, and to be that like iconic figure that he had been for so long, um, like it took the certain level of commitment and, you know, it's, that's one of the, that's one of the most awe inspiring things about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um one other thing i wanted to say real quick before we move on to what came next is that so i alluded to it earlier but i guess part of me has always looked at wrestling because it's broad and che- kind of cheesy and all that i i never really thought it was totally for me i i did see a lot of it as a kid i had a friend who was really into it so i'm familiar with a certain era and i could appreciate it okay. at some level but um the i've realized that guys like let's take the rock and um steve austin is that a guy right um stone cold yeah Yeah. stone cold yeah so he uh when you hear those guys talk they are so good at talking and i what i what i mean is that people don't realize how hard it is to speak either, you know, prepared remarks that you try to say, like they're not prepared. Like I just, yeah. Like a to- toast maker or to- I think it's called toast makers or something like that. And he said, that's what they talk about. That's what the goal is. Well, they do that so easily. And part of the reason why it's so impressive is because I, myself, I try to, you know, I, with this podcast, I realize how hard it is to make a concise point 
in a clear way in a you know short amount of time without losing people's interest and all that sort of thing and um they like i remember hearing stone cold on a podcast and i was just so blown away by how sort of like how he commanded the conversation like he i'm sure he's a smart guy he's probably not a dummy yeah. But because he managed it so well, he sounded probably like way smarter than he was. He just sounded like the smartest guy in the room. He was, and I'm not, he wasn't doing a wrestling character. He was just, he was just shooting the shit with the podcast guests. But like, he was yeah. so charismatic and like so intel, like he came off as so intelligent. And so I think I'll speak for myself. I think I underrate maybe some of the skills of wrestlers, or at least I have in the past because they come off so broad, but I've come to really appreciate like what they do. They, you know, the ones who do it well are just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I understand that point of view. Like that's like, it's, it's difficult, um, for some people to exist outside of the wrestling bubble and like, whether you're a fan or in it, like some guys, it, uh, like there, you know, it's like there's like no context of like the outside world and how the outside world views wrestling, and that could be part of the reason why I, I wasn't as into it as I was a kid until I was like twelve or thirteen years old. <laughs> Excuse me, the beer's starting to come back a little bit. <laughs> That's all right. Um, <laughs> but, um, like, and it doesn't help, uh, the majority of media depictions of wrestling look at it as this cute little throwaway thing on like the outliers of entertainment. Um, and, you know, and they like perpetuate this, you know, the stereotype of how, you know, of it being, hokey and, and, and cheesy and sure. I mean, like, yeah, there's elements of that, but like, because it gets cast aside in, in the general population, like the view of it as a form of entertainment, um, like people really don't realize how, I mean, how difficult it is, how, like, how, like, well, yeah, how difficult it is and how like not anybody could do it. And this like, and there's a certain level of pressure of especially like when you do it live and now you mentioned the rock and stone cold. Um, they're like probably two of the best known talkers, you know, of, you know, pretty much of, of in all time of wrestling, like, you know, and they're the ones that anybody general population is going to know, you know, they're two of the top now, like they, a lot of times, um, know what they said was off the cuff like you like there was a time i mean and it's still like especially on on my level the you know the independent level like nobody's writing anything for you um you know the wwf has at some point like started using writers and so guys would need to start following a script but that uh, and i mean and that's a certain talent in itself of like so you have to take these words and you have to include like certain points for, you know, for your interview, for your promo. Um, and like, you know, it's that, that can be, that can expose you in a different way of like, 
if you just sound like you're reading off a sheet of paper, you know, people see through that. Uh, same like if you if you saw that, you know, on a movie or a TV show, like if it looked like somebody was just saying the lines and they don't have any heart or passion or thought behind it, you know, you're going to see it and you're going to call it out. Same with wrestling. And like there's, you know, a lot of times you're doing it live and you don't even like you don't get to rehearse. You don't get to. um you know, you don't get to script it, like, especially at the independent level, like, they tell you, hey, go cut a, go cut a promo, and, like, you might not even know until, like, they're like, hey, like, we need to fill time, uh, somebody needs to go tighten the ring ropes, go out there and talk, you know, um, have you ever had to do that? Like, oh, yeah, and I sucked at it, but, uh, like, well, actually, talk about, I mean, talk about a situation, and how scared you were, <laughs> and what happened. Oh, well, okay. I mean, the thing is when it's like, I was so used to like, or at least I wasn't prepared to like talk for an extended period of time. Um, and actually, thankfully it was like, it wasn't like part of the recorded part of the show, but like they needed to distract the audience with something so that they could, fix the ring like that's i mean i had to do it you know a couple times if i'm not the person going to fix the ring like there was at least once or twice where i had to go out and like talk and like you know so uh it's especially when you don't know what to say like and you don't have anything planned you have to you know go out there and it and and that's where kind of you know committing to the character and so i kind of i have a so my character and i mean i i guess we should touch on it a little bit. So my character's name is Danger Jameson, professional stuntman. Um, we'll talk about the inspiration for that a little bit later. Um, mm-hmm. But so I have, like, I kind of had, like, you know, a fail-safe built in where I'm a goofball. So, you know, I can, so I could go out there and I could stutter. I could, st- like, I could stumble, mess, you know, mess up lines mess up thoughts and just, and just roll with it. So I kind of, I do have like a, a fail safe built in, in that regard. It was, you know, it wasn't thought out well before uh, beforehand, but it's, you know, a benefit I realized later, like, Hey, I can, you know, and that, that actually helped melt away the, you know, the nerves of having to do that. I was like, you know, I don't have to sound cool. Like that's, that's one thing. I mean, and we'll go into a little more when we talk about the character, but like, I never have to sound cool. And that like now the rock and stone cold, especially as they got like, you know, towards the upper echelon, like, you know, for the most part, I mean, like they made it seem easy of, you know, how cool they were, who knows how much, you know, it stressed them out behind the scenes. Like, you know, because, I mean, only, you know, only they can know that of like, you know, especially if you say a great line one week and then you get put in a position where you feel like you have to top it, like, you know, holy hell. Like, I don't know. Like, I've, I mean, I've tried to think of cool things to say and, and throw them out there. And some of it works and some of it doesn't. But I have to say, I'm kind of, you know, lucky in that regard that I could 
I could say anything and people will just think I'm a goof. All right, so we want to talk more about your character. As you said, he's called Danger Jameson, and you mentioned that there's this sort of built-in aspect to him that allows you to be goofy or make mistakes, and I want you to talk about that. So first of all, what, you know, in a sentence or two, what's what's the elevator pitch for the character? Danger Jameson, like, who is he? Oh, um, okay, so Danger Jameson is a failed stuntman, or... Um, depending on which company, uh, a stuntman with, uh, who used to be great and, uh, had a terrible accident and is trying to work his way back into it. But, um, no, so essentially like, yeah, a, and a failed stuntman, an idiot stuntman. Um, so that was definitely more than two sentences. So if you don't mind, I'll oh, just nice. keep going. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, have you ever seen the movie Hot Rod with Andy Samberg of Siren Night Live? Yep. Fame? Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Now that's one aspect. Now, do you also, have you ever heard of um, Super Dave Osborne? Yes. Who was, okay, a character created by Bob. Say that again? Yes. He, didn't, he uh, just yeah. recently passed away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, about a year or two ago. I believe um but so and he was uh a character created by the comedian bob einstein who uh was um mo- many people will know him from curb your enthusiasm as marty funkhauser um uh, but in the 70s and 80s uh he had a character named super dave osborne that um apparently I was obsessed with the cartoon when I was a kid. I don't really remember that, but he had a cartoon for like one season in the nineties and I was obsessed with that. Um, and then going back and watching stuff, uh, like I've definitely seen like his clips from, you know, when I was younger, I guess like my dad and my brothers were always, I mean, my dad is a huge three stooges fan and the sixties Batman is his favorite Batman. Um, you know, he, he loves goofy stuff. So I'm certain that I watched super Dave with him. So, you know, despite his feelings about, you know, wrestling and stuff like that, uh, you know, it's kind of his fault that I'm a goofball. So, <laughs> but, um, so hold on, got to take a sip here. And so while you're taking a sip, uh, I'll just say real quick, uh, the sixties Batman, that's the boom pow kaboom, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. The Adam West Batman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, you know, I definitely, I grew up, I mean, in my house, I grew up watching that and, and the three stooges and, you know, um, and I was also exposed to comedy, you know, a lot when I was younger, I was, I don't know why I was allowed to stay up and watch in living color and Saturday night live as young as I was, but I was so, you know, um, so I guess I've always kind of had like, you know, an appreciation. Oh, that. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. no, that's, a, I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the first things people remember about that. That's, yeah. know, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> that's what he says, um, right? Clown. Yeah. I don't, we, we don't yeah. have to go into it, but I just, that just, well, came yeah, my, my brothers and I used to get in trouble because we used to hit each other with socks like he did, but that's, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bring that back up to my dad and get grounded again when I'm okay. in my mid thirties. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so super so, Dave and uh, hot yeah. rod. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, I mean, of course, evil Knievel, but evil Knievel was, you know, a serious actual That's stunt man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so the movie hot rod, so that came out, um, in 2007. Right. Uh, and there's actually, um, I mean, there's actually oddly enough. Uh, so the day that got released in the theaters, the day that came out, um, was also the day that my younger brother passed away. Um, and if you remember me talking about him, yeah. So it's a, it's actually kind of a weird, uh, tie in, uh, you know, life moment there, but, um, and that's, you know, maybe we can talk about that a little later, but, uh, the character, uh, so the first time I ever saw the movie was cause my older brothers said, you have to watch hot rod. It's, it's you in a movie. Um, <laughs> And and I watched it the first time I watched it. I hated it. I was like, "This is not me. I'm nothing like this. I'm, you know, I'm not that much of a." And then, yeah, I couldn't even finish the sentence. I'm not that much of a what? No, this is me as a person. Shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, uh, and I mean, I'd seen it. First time I saw it was a couple years after it came out, but so that piece of trivia i just told you i didn't know that until actually fairly recently but um so one of my trainers um came up to me the day of a show the day before i had uh changed my facebook profile picture to hot rod for no reason i was just i just did it and i was like whatever Time to change my profile picture. Let's make it something stupid. And then, so I'll never forget. I was setting up the ring. I was, you know, uh, in the middle of the gym. I forget exactly where we were, but he makes a beeline from like, he walks into the building and he, and he walks right up to me. Like, I, I don't, I'm, this may not be totally accurate, but I feel it at least feels like he literally walked past everybody else in the room just so that he could come up to me and say, Hot Rod, that's your character. Or what? Well, he said, That's your character. And I was like, Who? He's like, Hot Rod. And I was like, Oh, I don't know about that. Now, a little flesh out, out a little. Most guys, when you start training, most people, you know, when you start training to wrestle, like, you know, you think you're going to be cool. You think you're going to be some kind of badass. Like you, like, yeah, and that's like the kind of character you start to, you, you know, it may be take on different shades, but everybody thinks they're going to be the coolest guy in the room. And I mean, I didn't, at the time I'd been training for a while and I was trying to get to the point to figure out a character. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do the best I had. Like, I was like, I don't know. I'll just use my own name and, and just do it at first. You know, like not really have a character in mind. So he comes up to me, makes a beeline for me, says, that's your gimmick. I say, who? He says, Hot Rod. And I was like, I don't know about that. That's, 
I don't know, you know, and then like an hour or two goes by and I start thinking about the movie and I, I walk back in the locker room. Now I was still a student at the time. So I only really allowed in the locker room to, if you're, you know, helping out one of the guys or to get, um, if you have a job on the show where you, you need to interact with the guys, my job before I started working shows was running music, literally just like pressing play and pause on guy or play and stop on people's entrance music is, you know, the extent of my musical expertise. So I wasn't really fit for the job, but it was the job that I was given to do during shows. Um, and I had to get somebody's music and I walked past him and I was like, you know, I think it's a good idea. And I can even use uh, his one line that he says at the end of the movie. And he's like, who wants to see a big ass stunt? And I said it in the middle of the locker room in front of all these guys. And everybody just kind of looked at me like I was a dumbass, which, you know, was well warranted. Um, and then they were like, well, all right, maybe think about it a little bit more. Um, now, I maybe should have thought about it a little quicker because, like, it took me. Like, I was thinking, well, what, like, you know, what could I do? Like, it literally, before I, like, fully fleshed out the idea for a character, I mean, like, a year went by, I mean, before I even had my first match after that, actually. Because um, I wasn't sure, like, you know, there's, I mean, a few reasons why I didn't start having matches until quite a while after I started training. But, um like I was, I was driving to training or something one day, and I was like, "Well, what could like what could I? What's the stupidest thing I could do?" And then somehow the idea of, you know, the common phrase "danger is my middle name," I was like, "Well, I'm an idiot." So like, uh, like, and so I kind of have like the idea of being like, you know, I got to be a little bit boastful and you know, promise promise things that I can't deliver. So. Um, you know, if, so the initial thinking was, well, if danger is your middle name, then you're a wuss because danger is my first name. Right. And then I just, <laughs> yeah. And that, and, I, and this is just me thinking to myself in the car. And I said it out loud to one of my friends and they loved it, but I still wasn't convinced. Um, and then I just, the last name Jameson is just my first name with on added to it, you know, um, that's there's not much thought in that part. Um, yeah, it's also so, a last name that some people have, and you just and it's very close to your first name. So it's like you last nameified your first name and just made it your last name. Yeah, exactly for the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's how I came up with the name Danger Jameson, uh, and I sat on that for a while, uh, and then. So then, you know, I, I didn't know when I was even going to have my first match. I was, it was a combination of, uh, you know, being scared to mess up. So not wanting to debut. It was also, uh, a combination of not really having any gear, like, you know, a proper, you know, proper attire. So I didn't want to go out there and look like a total schlub, uh, so like, you know, it took me and, and having gear made and buying boots and that stuff is all expensive. And, you know, so it took time to even get the money to get boots. And then my first pair of gear was I uh, 
was given to me by one of my trainers. So it's secondhand. Uh, I still have it. And because that particular trainer is, you know, very near and dear to my heart, like that old singlet and tights that he gave me, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep that forever. Um, but you know, uh, then I had my first match was a random match. Uh, it was like a, a triple threat match. So I was like, I was very, I was also very scared, you know, but my trainer, one of my, my main trainer was like, like, you got to, you know, fly out of the nest now, like just get out there. Um, and so I was in a triple threat match where I, uh, the way we set it up was me trying to be involved in the match and just constantly getting thrown out of the ring until I climbed the top rope and jump off on, uh, onto it, onto the other guys do, doing a cross body. And, uh, and so that was literally like the only thing I was going to do in the match. Right. And so I make my entrance and I literally, so I had the helmet that I got on Amazon and a weird, um, denim vest with the American flag on it. That was like as close. Like, so that was like as much of me looking like a stuntman as possible is just, cause that's what I could come up with. That's what I could scrounge together, you know? And I go out there for this match and you know, it starts off and I just get thrown out of the ring. And every time I climb back into the ring, I get, you know, I get hit in the face or I, you know, something just to get thrown back out. And then my moment comes to climb the top rope and do the splash. And, uh, and I got up on the top rope and I just, you know, I have, I'm, I'm goofy. I'm, I'm, you know, still pretty uncoordinated (laughs) even with all my wrestling training. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of a klutz. It's kind of who I am as a person. Um, so I get up on the top rope and I just immediately slip off and land on my feet. Right. And there was just this weird moment with the crowd. Um, and I just, you know, I just look around and it was like, it was only a split second, but it felt like forever. So I just look around. I was like, no, hold on. That's not what I meant to do. Right. And I just climbed back up on the top rope and just do the move. And that was, that was probably the moment where I really actually realized that the whole wait I have a built in, like I'm, I'm idiot proof Mm -hmm. in a way. Or I'm, or I'm failure-proof, in a way, through the perceived idiocy of the character. Um, so, um, so that was actually, and I'm actually really just remembering this now as we're talking. Um, like, that was that, that was the moment, that was kind of like the first little shade of, like, you know, what the character really is. But then, you know, I had a few matches after that, um, like, very few before I actually finally got my, like the real character stuff. Um, my first match on a show was the week after that, that triple threat match. Uh, it was a singles match against a guy named, uh, Leo rush, who is, uh, who was signed to WWE for a time. And now he's making his way in, uh, into Japan. And he's like, and he's like a real, like a really pretty well-known independent wrestler. Um, and in in passing, you know, in the few shows that I've been on with since, apparently he said that was also his first match, um, and that's like really cool. Like I'm I'm connected to that guy that way. That's really awesome. Um, and he's like I'm a huge fan of his. He's like he's he's just great, and I'm really proud that like 
as much as I suck, like, you know, at least one of us got better <laughs> coming out of that match. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but then the first match where I actually got any of my, like, real character stuff, because at first, like, the first, like, I'd only had, like, 10 matches up to this point on a show, you know. But I was literally just a guy coming out with a helmet and a, and a cape and calling myself a stuntman. But I would just, like, you know, I would go out and do my, you know, whatever my match was. Um, and not like, I didn't really have a character. I didn't really have anything behind it, but then I had a match with a guy, uh, by the name of orange Cassidy, who is a big name now in a company called AEW, which is, um, which is, uh, you know, an up and coming pretty huge wrestling company right now. And he's one of their bigger, bigger stars. And, um, I was still, you know, I probably, I maybe had 10 matches at this point, you know, I, and I was terrified and like, I, and this guy is, has been good, like, you know, and so the day of, you know, when, when we're going over the match, like I, I was, you know, I was still like for the, for the longest time, I was pretty terrified, like still just nerves, you know, not confident in, in any of my abilities at all. So like every match I had was felt like, you know, a big deal to me. And I felt unworthy of it, you know, like literally every match for the longest time I was like, Oh God, like I, like my nerves would go out of control because, you know, I wanted to do a good job. Um, and I, you know, and I, I didn't, I just, I didn't want to mess anything up. Didn't want anybody to get hurt, anything like that. Like, like my nerves would always go into overdrive. And also that, I guess I just like, I, I didn't know what, how, like how to make the character work, like within the realms of a wrestling match. Uh, and then orange Cassidy, um, he gave me like the three, like three of the main things that I, that I do in my matches that are character work, um, were things that he gave to me. Um, and, and what the one that I hang on to the most is, uh, is a spot where I will jump. I'll have the referee get down on his hands and knees and I'll jump over the referee. So within the, within the match, it was, so his character at the time, like there was, you know, it was like an ambiguous drunk thing. Like he was like, he was just like too cool for school. Like he didn't care to be there. Uh, and like everybody was kind of unsure whether or not he was drunk. Right. So the match starts and we go to lock up and he just kind of like, his head goes into my chest and it seems like he falls asleep. Right. So it, it's kind of like making it like, you know, a guy who doesn't care versus an idiot, <laughs> which I'm the <laughs> idiot. Um, and, you know, and a guy who's potentially within character drunk. Right. Mm. So it was, it was definitely not, you know, a wrestling classic. Like it wasn't, you know, but it was like, it was, Character, it was you know it was character heavy, and it was exactly what I needed to learn. Um, like that's uh, you know I, I uh, so like it gets to a point where you know because he kind of has this drunk thing going, um, where I literally since I was also especially terrified of of doing any offense <laughs> because I was I was like I don't want to I just I didn't want to mess anything up right. So he gets into the corner and he's just kind of laying there. So I could just easily lift, uh, you know, I could easily just like leave him there 
and take the time to do stupid stuff, which, uh, you know, in wrestling, like you're supposed to make things make sense and timing. And like, you know, if you take too long, like why wouldn't the guy just come out of the corner and punch you in the face, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, you know, he's just there in the corner. So I have the referee get down on all fours. And then in like, in the idea of being like boastful and like, and, and like, you know, and biting off more than I can chew. Uh, I call for another ref. Like I'm going to jump two refs mm-hmm. and then no, that's not enough. I have a third one come out. And in the meantime, while we do this, one of the, my favorite aspects that I, I haven't gotten to do often enough. And I definitely want to bring back when I do get to do matches again is having the ring announcer, like, get on the mic and say danger Jameson is about to attempt to jump over through referees or danger Jameson is about to do this about to do that. Right. Um, like that was, I got to do that for a few matches, very few matches, unfortunately, but it's one of my favorite things is having like the, the ring announcer, like call for quiet as I'm about to do attempt my daring feat. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the three, refs are like you know on all fours right in front of them and i go to jump and i just trip and i fall on the rest right yeah and then uh the next thing is like walking across a tightrope and then i just get like pulled down and i end up hurting myself and then the last thing which became my finishing move my signature finisher uh for the longest time i've i've maybe hit two or three out of these successfully out of the dozens that I've done is, uh, is getting on the top rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when the guy's down in the middle of the ring and then stopping myself because I can jump further than that. So I pull the guy further across the ring and then I, and the guy, you know, he literally just has to lay there because I get up on the top rope and I jump and there's no way I'm going to even get close to touching him. So I just eat shit in the middle of the ring. Yeah. And then I, many times I just get pinned right after that, <laughs> you know, um, so wait, I, I, but like, but too like much that, further, I just want to say something. So I've seen your yeah. character or I've seen you wrestle a handful of times. Oh yeah, that's right. You'd familiar you with come to a show. Or yeah. Two. And I'm familiar with your character. And I do remember thinking, that the of the about the brilliance of one so it's perfect for somebody starting out because like you said you have this built-in excuse to be bad it's part of your character yeah. and in yeah. as much as you get better you can either the storyline can be that you be you you're growing as a stunt man or it can be that you still fail but you fail in more spectacular ways because as you probably know to there's a lot of things you could do that are very look like very spectacular failures, like physical failures where you're falling down steps and stuff like that to do that so that it looks believable without hurting yourself is like an immense athletic feat. Like if there's a stunt man who can fall down a 20 stair set of stairs and make it look real, but not get hurt. That's actually takes skill. It, you know, you're, you're trying to, portray someone who's clumsy but you're actually a really careful agile you know athletic person so it felt like it was perfect for the sort of thing you could grow into and then that's not to mention the aesthetic of it 
Um, so you've already kind of alluded to the fact that in a lot of ways, you're not like a conventionally great wrestler or something like that. I think your character is all time amazing. Now I don't understand wrestling that (laughs) well, but I bet you people are jealous of it. Most people have these half-assed, like really vague characters. I'm almost amazed that no one's ever done this character before. Like, I really do think it's like all timer type well, part of that is ridiculous for me to say because I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but it is, it sounds like an awesome character and it for multiple reasons, like the strategic reason for your own career that I just mentioned. And then also just as a character, when you're watching, it's so much more interesting. Even the best wrestlers, a lot of the guys who you can tell have a lot of experience, they go up against you, they beat your ass or supposed to beat your ass. And then after the fact, you tell me like, oh man, they hit really hard and they're really serious making it seem yeah. real. And so they're basically hitting you in the face, like as hard as they can. Um, but their character is like, just, I don't know what it is. It, they're not memorable. You know? Guy off yeah, the street. Just guy off the street. Maybe he's got big biceps. Maybe he's got a particular haircut. I don't know what it means. Okay. Badass rest guy, yeah. whatever you have an extremely distinct character. And the idea that you add in these pratfalls and this comedy, there's so much possibility. There's so much depth. There's so much richness to it. It's just like in some, it's, it's almost ironic too, because like you admit, like you were afraid to do some of the things you, you didn't want to mess up. And a lot of the high level wrestling techniques are very hard. So that makes sense. So in some sense, you're, below maybe the best of the independent wrestlers who are really acrobatic and can execute certain moves over and over again. But then in the character space, the roles are reversed. In my opinion, you just dominate everybody else. It's like not even close. I don't remember a single other person. I've seen a bunch of different people a couple times. I mean, I remember them, but I don't know what they are. I don't know what they're supposed to be. I don't know what their shtick is. I don't know if they're good or bad. Whereas and maybe we could use this as an opportunity to trans uh, sort of transition to, or maybe I'll just ask the question. Haven't you sold a lot of merch? Like, aren't you like really big with a certain crowd? I mean, okay. I like I've done. So, okay. This is where, this is where the independent level and life kind of, you know, those two things to get combined kind of get in the way of me taking this as far as I'd like to. Uh, and it's more along the lines of life, which, uh, you know, I say life, but I mean money. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, on, on this level, like nobody is, you know, making my merch for me. Like, I, you know, I have to pay for it. Um, like, I, I've done, like, there's been times where I've done well. Like, I've had, you know, a few great nights where, like, I've made a couple, like, a couple hundred bucks on my, on my shirts, on stickers on any other dumb stuff that I may have had with me that day, you know? Um, but like trying to self finance this, um, and keep an apartment, keep, uh, you know, and keep food on my table. Like, you know, it hasn't been the easiest thing. There's definitely plenty of things I personally could have done better. Uh, as far, as far as that is concerned, like I, you know, I haven't always been the smartest with money. I'm a lot better now than I was when I started out. And I kind of wish that I, you know, I, there, there are definitely certain things I wish I had known. I wish I had been taught about 
you know, the cost of certain things about, um, the procedure of, you know, how to get gear made or, or like how to, you know, market yourself. Like there are certain things like that, like you, you know, you either hear you're supposed to do, or you kind of become aware and like, no, like, Hey, if you want to make something of yourself, like you gotta, you know, you've got to, this, you got to put out, you know, you got to put something in to get something out mm-hmm. of it, you know? And, um, and I mean, there was definitely a lot of times, I mean, I like, I mean, I have like t-shirt designs from that I made a few years ago that I never, you know, got to get made or, you know, didn't make it happen for myself. Like that. And, and, you know, I mean, there's different reasons for why not, but a lot of times it boils down to just like, you know, like being part of, of wrestling, especially at this level is, you know, is expensive and you, you know, there's very little return on your investment at first. Um, and I kind of unfortunately lingered in that area a little longer than I should have, but, um, you know, I, like I've, you know, as you, you know, have to become an adult as we all do, like I, I'm a little bit better with money now. I, you know, and I just like, I had to, you know, um, I had, I honestly, I like this part of the reason, like I had to take a step back from it to make sure I made some things right for myself. Like I've, I've been told, and I do have to go back to like some of the things that you just said about like my character and stuff like that. Like I've been told, by you know by people that like my i've been told by a few people that you know my biggest mistake is not landing into social media because i then i'd be i'd be somewhere now i've been told that like so there's like one somewhat famous video of me from a show where i do something stupid and it and it's and it went around like wildfire and i had somebody one of the most well-respected trainers in the business tell me that I'm an asshole for not (laughs) being good at social media and not applying myself to that more because he was getting sent that video from his friends who are currently in the WWE. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I hate myself for that in some respect, because like if I had been on the ball, like I could have been somewhere, you know, um, but it's a consolation, I mean, but James, so you're talking WWE wrestlers were sharing your video. I mean, apparently, uh, I mean, I don't know that for a fact myself, but one of, uh, you know, one of the most respected trainers in wrestling, one of the, one of the most respected coaches, I should say, um, uh, a guy by the name of Danny Cage who runs um, who owns and operates a school called the Monster Factory in New Jersey. Um, I, I've done a couple seminars there. They do like they have like, um, you know, obviously pre pandemic, this is all happening. And this was a couple years ago. But, uh, you know, they would do training camps uh, like where you know, which is good for guys for refreshers on skills or, you know, or to learn something new, like, uh, you know, a chance to immerse yourself a little bit more in wrestling, like, and, and invest in yourself. Um, so I've done a couple of those. I'm a huge fan of 
Danny Cage and his seminars and the Monster Factory. And, um, you know, I've met some great people through that. And like a lot of his students are really awesome people. Um, and it's, it's a place that when I try to become more connected in wrestling again or more, you know, involved that I'd, that's a place I would definitely seek the guidance of and specifically of Danny. Um, he's one of the places, uh, one of the, the coaches and trainers I would, I would like to, um, but I'll never forget. Like one of the things segments of the seminar was, you know, getting in the middle of the ring by yourself and cutting a promo in front of everybody. And I just like, and again, a nerves thing. Um, honestly, I think the behind the scenes of the training stuff sometimes is a lot more terrifying than being out in the ring. <laughs> like I was more terrified and more nervous to do a promo in front of other students and trainers. Um, than you know, then I would be to just get thrown into it in the middle are of the show. I, I don't off no, the cuff. Is that part of it? Or are you allowed to prepare? So wait, say it. Wait, say it. Uh, well, so, so are you, a, wait, I'm you, sorry. Could you say yeah. that again? Yeah. Do you, you're, when you're talking bit. about being at the seminar and you yeah. have to, um, they say cut a promo. Are, do they give you time to think about yeah. it where you kind of script it and then your job is to try to deliver it as if it's not scripted? Or do they just kind of say like, hey, James, you're up. Get up there. Tell me, like, do something flashy. Like, do something that gets the crowd excited. I mean, it could have it could have been either way. In this particular, like, that's, I mean, both of those things are, are, per are perfectly possible in a training scenario. In this particular one, like, uh, you know, I had a little bit of time cause I, you know, I kind of tried to wait till towards the end. Um, but I like in a just not having a certain, you know, a certain level of confidence in myself, like, um, and the character, even though like, I, I like, I enjoy the character and I know like, and it, this was my first time there. Cause I've done a few seminars, at least two or three, I believe at, at this place. Um, and like, this is just something I'll, I'll, I'll personally never forget is, you know, when it was my turn, like I kind of, uh, so I, again, with the nerves thing, like I had like some ideas of what to say, but, um, I get in the ring and I did like a pratfall, like going through the ropes, you know, and then I, I start. I mean, I don't even remember like what I was even starting to say. And thankfully I didn't get far into it because it was, you know, probably the shits, <laughs> but um, like, and I, and I was also like acting like I was out of breath or, uh, you know, who knows, partly I could have, I could have actually been who thought, you know, I cardio is my strong suit. I got to work on that for sure. But, uh, you know, Danny stopped me like in the middle of whatever I was saying. And he was like, wait a minute, aren't you the guy from that video? And this is like not long after the video started going around like on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, and you know, and very briefly. So it's not like this is a, a huge thing, but he's like, wait a minute. I know you, you're, uh, aren't you the one from that video? Uh, and in the video, I, um, I essentially jump off a trampoline and face first into the ring post side oh, of the Jesus. ring. Right. Um, uh, well, actually, I mean, to delve a little bit deeper into that real quick, uh, it was, I was supposed, I was scheduled for a show and I was 
supposed to do a battle royal, and that's you know that's when everybody's in the ring, and the winner is the last person surviving after everybody gets thrown over the top rope. Uh, those are notoriously disorganized on the independent level, so I took advantage of my comedy character, asked the uh, promoter if I could do something stupid, and it was around Christmas time, so I decided, and I gave, I had the idea for what I called the miracle on three stunts at once street where I was in a straight jacket. <laughs> and uh, so I announced that I'm going to do, you know, three stunts at the same time. I'm going to escape from the straight jacket. I'm going to jump over the ring and I'm going to hold my breath the whole time. Right. And then I just, I go and I hit the trampoline and I just hit the ring post face first. Right. So this is the thing that goes around. Okay. Um, so, you know, fast forward to this seminar, you know, Danny stops me, thankfully, from this terrible promo and says, I, you know, I know you. And he's like, the next thing he says is, you know, you absolutely fucking suck at social media or, you know, something along those lines, you know, of your, your, your dog shit at social media. And I agree. I know, like, I know I could have capitalized, but I have feelings about social media that I, I will get into later, maybe, or. If you another episode, but um, Maybe. yeah, that might be that might be a whole other episode. But um, and that's you know, like that's what he said. He's like, you know, like, like you should be all over the place. You should like I had I have guys from who are down in WWE right now, and I know who some of the guys he was talking about, and he has several. Like that's probably one of the most successful schools in the area as far as guys getting signed. So, you know, I know it wasn't blowing smoke up my ass. Um, he's like, I have guys from down there sending me this video saying, get a load of this guy. Like, you should be all over the place. Um, I, of course, I have yet to take advantage of his advice. I'm sorry, Danny, if you ever hear this. I still suck shit at social media. Um, <laughs> uh, sure, you'll tell me to go fuck myself next chance you get. And I accept. But, um yeah, uh, like that, like, so, you know, I have this thing and that's, and you're right. Like the, the character that's like some, some of the things you said about the character are what several guys have told me. And, um, I mean, I guess I could like, it's, it's probably, uh, you know, a combination of, you know, personal, like, you know, laziness and, and fear on an, an odd fear of success that, uh, that I haven't gotten further along than I want to. But, um, I mean, I don't want to keep working the same lame jobs I, I have forever. So I, I mean, there's going to come a time I need to, you know, shit or get off the pot. Um, so, and I, I've kind of, I've been on hiatus even before COVID happened. I was on a hiatus from wrestling self-imposed. Um, so, and then right when I kind of started to feel like I, you know, I want to get back into it was when COVID happened. So, you know, like many other things in our, in our world, that's on pause, you know, until further notice. But I think, if, you know, as I'd like to give it, you know, a more serious go around, there are certain things I want for myself that I'm going to be a little bit more adamant about. Um, and so I'm not going to let myself 
Like, I'm not going to give myself as many excuses or allow myself as many excuses, I should say. That's it for this week's episode of the Speakeasy Library. Follow the show on Twitter at Dan underscore S-E-L pod and on Instagram at Speakeasy Library. Send your feedback to speakeasylibrary at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on whichever app you use to listen. Thanks for listening.